Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley. You listen to the Inside Carolina podcast, sponsored by JohnnyTShirt.com, the post-game podcast. Sherelle McMillan with me, Pittsburgh 73, North Carolina 65. Sherelle, it was not pretty in the end, but uh, contrary to or different from last game, words escape me when I'm talking about this Carolina basketball team a little bit, different from the Georgia Tech game, I don't think effort was the issue. I just think Carolina, for lack of a better way to put it, went all SpongeBob in the second half and just couldn't get it together. Looked very nervous, looked like a very shaken team at times out there. Pittsburgh took advantage to win for the first time in Chapel Hill. It was, um, you know, it's funny because I thought there were a lot of positive things that North Carolina did in this game that they need to continue to do in the future. I thought they fed the ball fairly well to um, Garrison Brooks and to Armando Baycott. I thought Armando Baycott was, you know, as active as he's been maybe since the Oregon game. Um, I thought Leaky Black was really aggressive on the offensive end, sometimes maybe too aggressive, but um, with him, you know, you, you'll live with some bad shots and some turnovers if he's you know, if he has an aggressive mindset. And then Brandon Robinson, same thing. So, uh, you know, there were good things that happened in the game. And then in the second half, it's like they just decided they didn't want to guard anybody Um, because it's not like um, Pittsburgh is a great team. It's not like Pittsburgh is a great shooting team. But even the Carolina players, if you give them enough open shots, they're going to make shots. I mean, they are division one guys who play in a high major conference in the ACC. And that's what happened in the second half. It just seemed like every other possession, there was a guy wide open in the corner or wide open on the wing or wide open up at the top of the key for a three. And North Carolina really never uh, recovered from that because once Pitt got a little bit of confidence, then they just kind of took off and, and, and that was the game. So I don't know. It, it's, it was weird, like you said, because I thought they played really well for about 14 minutes and then they were as bad as they've been, you know, the last seven, seven or eight minutes of the second half just giving up wide open three after wide open three. You know, this this team is a work in progress. You know, I think the goals for the team have to change. Uh, the expectations for all the fans have to change. Like, this isn't an NCAA tournament team. And I don't mean to, you know, um, step on people's toes. I don't mean to sound like I'm crushing the team, but we have enough evidence that says they're not going to the NCAA tournament. And they're going to have to find some wins to even go to the NIT. So you have to start looking forward at the season and say, okay, what what can you salvage? You know, what are the goals for the rest of the season as you head into next season? And I think that's the conversations that um, we in the media and the fans probably need to be having. The team obviously is going to try and win every game. But I think that's kind of where you have to shift because this season is now, I think, officially lost. I could end the show right there, but I do want to dig a little <laughs> further, um, you know, because I was thinking about that. Because when you're watching a football team, we can say Carolina football, for example, 
they're playing games. You know they're not going to win, but you can have building blocks to get better for the following season. The problem in this one-and-done era, um, and it hadn't been Carolina in the midst of that for the most part until very recently, but, you know, most everybody on this team, save Leakey and Jeremiah Francis, play tech, maybe, uh, you know, who knows how it works out, Baycott and all that, they're not going to be there, likely. So when we talk about um, what can you work on to, like, improve with the season down the drains or pretty close to down the drains, I'm not ready to completely shut the door on postseason of some sort um, until I see them with Cole Anthony back. But my question to you is, what do you work on as a team? Now, I know individuals can do certain things and certainly can do certain things in their best self-interest if they're looking to the next level. But as a team, what does Roy Williams do? I think what you work on is effort. And and, and so let me take that back. Not effort. You work on not quitting. Because right now, the easiest thing in the world for anyone associated with a basketball program is to say, you know what? It's not our year. Cole got hurt. Anthony Harris got hurt. Sterling Manley never played um, a single play this season. Uh, Brandon Robinson missed games. Armando Baycott missed games. It just, it just wasn't our year. That's the easiest thing to do. I don't think anybody would particularly blame them if they just kind of shut it down for the year. I think what they can learn is how to deal with adversity. Um, I think they can learn that, you know, playing at North Carolina and winning at North Carolina isn't something that's just given to you, something you really, really have to earn. Um, so I think that message can, you know, kind of help galvanize them for the next season. I think uh, there are still are a couple of things. You know, there's the game this weekend. Um, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history when it comes to that. They still have games against their two biggest rivals. So there's still that to play for. And then, uh, you know, as you look towards next year, you know, depending upon what Armando Baycott decides, you know, he's got a lot of improvement. You know, he could be a really good player in North Carolina next season. Same thing with Garrison Brooks. You know, he's come a long way just this season from his sophomore to his junior season. So another year of work and another year of getting stronger and becoming a better offensive player, he could be really good as as a senior. And then, you know, anytime you're on the court, you just don't want to put out bad tape. You never know who's watching. You never know what situation you're in, where you have to explain why you weren't playing as hard as you should have or why you quit, you know, in a game in February when, you know, North Carolina didn't make the tournament that year. So there's all those things I think they had to play for. And then, you know, they want to play for each other. I mean, the team, they all like each other. They all love each other. They're around each other so much. It's not like they want to go around campus and kind of get the side eye from other students and kind of be pariahs on campus. They don't want that. So they're obviously going to keep playing hard. So, you know, I think those are the kind of things that you look forward to, that you try to see in games. Can can you develop a niche that you can carry over into off-season conditioning and then into the season next year? That's the kind of stuff that I think the players who are returning um, can try to do. For the people who won't be at Carolina definitely next season, I think you just kind of have to um, be a good teammate. You have to want to um, try and just finish it out positively. Um, if you can do that, then I, I think you know that's the best outcome at, at this point. Let me take a quick second to talk about Johnny T-shirts, certainly the sponsors of this podcast and great friends of Inside Carolina. Get all your Johnny T-shirt gear on Franklin Street. If you're in town this weekend, it's a big basketball game, important basketball game for a lot of Carolina basketball fans. Go see them at Johnny T-shirt on Franklin Street. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, Johnny T-shirt online at johnnytshirt.com. Great customer service wherever you go. Great gear wherever you go. Anything you could possibly need Carolina-related for any occasion. Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, and premium subscribers. 
not only do you get to read Sherelle McMillan's stuff on the weekly, but you get to get 10% off your orders at Johnny T-Shirt. Visit them in person on Franklin, online at johnnytshirt.com. Sherelle McMillan, Tommy Ashley, post-game podcast, Pittsburgh 73-65 over North Carolina. Let's, let me talk a couple positives because I, I saw people a little bit later on Twitter and perhaps on the message board. I didn't really read it much during the game. Bang it on Baycott a little bit. I, I do not think Baycott's effort was an issue tonight. I thought if he played like that all season and if he plays like that going forward, uh, he's going to impress a lot of people. You mentioned you don't want to put out bad tape. Um, he's put out one really good tape and a lot of bad tape. Um, but that kid can play when he's fully engaged. And I thought he was that for the most part against Pittsburgh. So let me go on a little bit of a rant um, <laughs> since there's, you know, there's not a ton to talk about in this particular game. But I, I think people need to be really careful when they start questioning effort. I think you can question focus and you can question, like you said, whether a player is engaged or not. But let's not question the effort. These guys are all high major D1 players. They all are taking classes. They have the full load um, that student athletes have to handle with, you know, weights and tutoring and study hall and practice and 12 and 13 hour days. And then, you know, they're at North Carolina, you know, maybe the brightest light in college basketball. So, like I said, it, it's not like they enjoy <laughs> going out there and getting their, you know, getting beat by teams that they shouldn't be getting be, uh, beaten by. Um, so, I, I think we just need to be really careful when you start saying, questioning their effort and questioning their desire and their heart. They all want to win. Right now, they're just not good enough to do it. And there's a difference between being good enough to do something and trying to trying really hard to do something. So, just a PSA: I think all fans, uh, anyone who follows North Carolina basketball, should just be really careful about that because. They work really hard. So that aside, um, yeah, I, I think our Armando, I, I thought it was a good game from him personally. Um, <clears throat> I don't think he got the ball enough, honestly, which is something we can talk about later. But him and him and uh, Brooks, I mean, that's the way to North Carolina if they're going to win any more games this season, if they're going to you know, start stacking wins together. That's how they're, they're going to have to do it because that's where they're the most talented. You know, they have uh, Brooks, who's become a really good scorer, and they have Baycott, who – even though he's only a freshman, he really has some skill in the post. Um, so uh, I, I thought he did a, a, an adequate job of trying to get them the ball, but they just didn't get enough shots. Even I think uh, looking at the official stats, they might have combined for, I think it was 24, 23. They combined for 23 shots. And I just don't think as North Carolina is constructed, that's enough. They need to have the ball every single time down the court. Like there should be, There shouldn't be a possession where there's not a paint touch for Brooks or Baycott if they're in the game. Um, and then you start working on things otherwise, uh, you know, the outside game and penetration and all that stuff. But the key to this team trying to do anything this season is going to be through Brooks and Pickett. Yeah, and something that was interesting, and, and you, we've talked about them not getting the ball enough all year or right much, and especially since it's always been the Carolina philosophy under uh, Roy Williams and Dean Smith is the ball goes inside first. What I found interesting watching this game um, is there were some good entry passes in this game, which there hasn't been many all season with the team constituted as it is right now. But the good entry passes I saw in this game were from each other, as in high-low stuff with Brooks and Baycott. They were able to get the ball to each other in good scoring position. That is not surprising. Big men know where they like the ball, so they're going to know where other big men like it. But – that's been one of the most frustrating things for me to watch 
um, is that the inability to get those guys the ball at the right spots. And it was interesting to see that the only time it really happened tonight was when it was between them. Yeah, and, and a, a cousin of that is just turnovers in general. Um, I, I think Dewey had a great explanation a couple of weeks ago about why maybe there were some issues with post-entry. Um, but overall, the team just doesn't value the basketball. And um, even though the announcers can sometimes <laughs> get on my nerves with some of the things they say, I thought it was a great point that Corey Alexander made just about how it seems like a hot potato. There isn't, nobody really wants to have the ball in their hands, maybe outside of Brooks and Baycott. Um, Francis to a degree, but I think he's <clears throat> you're starting to see some of the rust now for him, um, you know, from being out for so long. Um, so it, it's just there's not any answers. That's the thing. And everybody keeps saying, oh, change the starting lineup or, you know, add this player in the rotation or change this. There, there's there's no magic formula. This isn't going to get better this season. Um, you know, it, they're eight and seven. They're one and three in the ACC. You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm 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 vamping a bit just because, again, this individual game doesn't mean a ton. But I was uh, somebody had pointed out that for Oregon, um, it, Oregon is now more of a bad loss. Uh, excuse me. Let me start over, Tommy. Sorry. Can I edit this out? Um, no, we're not editing. <laughs> this is the analysis podcast. So, so what? Man. So what I was what I was trying to say is, and I just I completely just bundled it, is that. Um, UNC's win over Oregon is now more of a bad loss for Oregon than it is a good win for UNC. And that just tells you where the season is. Um, And, you know, it's just, it's just kind of spiraled. And it was so strange because when Pitt started hitting, you know, three after three, I feel like you could see the team say, Oh no, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Not this. They're on a run. We can't stop them. And there just wasn't the counter punch that you have, um, expected from North Carolina over the years. I think, you know, Roy Williams got in a lot of trouble this week or caused a stir by what he said. And I think what he was trying to say was that because this is the least talented team that I've coached since I've been in North Carolina, then they really should excel in other things that don't require talent, which are traditionally rebounding, 50-50 balls, um, defense, that kind of thing. Um, so I think that's what he meant. And for North Carolina, they do it, you know, in stretches. They just can't they just can't make it consistent across an entire game. And, you know, that's what happened between the first half and the second half tonight. The The offense was about what it's been, but the defense was just, you know, putrid in the second half. Yeah, sitting in Carmichael during the Wofford game when I think Wofford was ahead at half. But I, I told my better half, Wofford's going to get hot eventually. It's fool's goal to think teams, most college teams are going to shoot one for ten um, in every half, uh, shooting threes. And that happened against Wofford. Yale got hot and almost pulled it off. Georgia Tech got hot. And then to watch Pittsburgh, I think they were one for 10 in the first half on threes. They were eight for 12 um, in the second half. Most of those were wide open, which my tweet was, at what point um, do teams give up the contested layup over a big rather than the wide open three, but that's been a Carolina philosophy forever. But folks even say, well, college basketball players should be able to hit an open three pretty consistently. Well, Carolina was two for 11 in the second half on threes. And uh, Sherelle, like you said, that's just not going to get better. Um, The question is, can the defense get better? And can that improve enough to give North Carolina a chance to win any ball games? 
So that's my rant. My question to you to close this podcast out is what happens Saturday? <laughs> I mean, you I'll know, freely admit I haven't watched a lick of Clemson. Clemson I basketball. mean, they're not very good, but North Carolina's not very good either. So I'd be curious. One, when we're talking about it off air. I'm not sure how Vegas keeps, you know, favoring UNC on these point lines and, and spreads. It's it's really weird that they've been favored the last two games and have lost by eight or more in both games. So that's a little strange. Um, you know, I was, so I, I graduated from North Carolina and I was there in 2001, 2002 when North Carolina went eight and 20 and uh, they played Clemson that year. <laughs> and somehow, some way, uh, in addition to beating Georgia Tech, they, they won. And, you know, you just have to hope that, it means something to them. You have to hope that they don't put their heads down too much because I do think they had a, a really good effort um, tonight. I think they played really hard and just some of the lapses and just um, some of the limitations they have as players caught up to them. Um, so, it, again, I don't think it's an effort thing. Um, you just have to hope that they're able to to go out there and feed Brooks and feed Baycott and just find a way to have one more point than Clemson. You know, we talked about what's left in the season. You know, that's a thing, you know, a streak like that. You know, trying to f- figure out a way maybe to beat your rivals once. That's something that they can look forward to. And then when you get to the ACC tournament, even though they'll probably be playing on Tuesday, anything can happen when you know when, when guys get hot. Now, five games in five days or four games in four days is a lot to ask, but who knows what might happen. So there are still some things to play for, um, but they're just not going to reach their, the goals they had, you know, prior to the season. And it's not just because they're not good there. You know, there are injuries and everything. I don't think that context should be left out, but um, I'm dodging your question because I don't want to say what I think, <laughs> but <laughs> let's, let's just say that North Carolina finds a way to win and the streak uh, continues on. And maybe it, you know, maybe it's just one win and they lose four or five in a row, but you know, maybe they find a way for one night to, to be a, a Carolina team like we've seen in the last few years. Good way to end it. I think it'll tell us a lot about the rest of the season on Saturday. And I know folks say, oh, you always say that. But I think uh, the Clemson game means a lot more for players than folks may realize. It means a lot to the fans, but I think the players, it means uh, extremely, it's extremely important for those players not to be on that wall of history of that, of being that team. And, you know, and if it does happen, it happens. Like one thing that I've constantly said, because, you know, this is probably a longer conversation, but one thing we've we've constantly talked about on Inside Carolina is that if every year you say that the program is going to fall off a cliff, eventually the program is you, eventually you're going to be right because it's going to happen at some point. And so Clemson is going to beat North Carolina in Chapel Hill one day. And if it's Saturday, you know, so be it. That wouldn't be great. It would uh, forever kind of tarnish some of these guys' legacy and, and, you know, their seasons at North Carolina being in that game. But, you know, it's it's just another game. So, yep. you know, I, I don't want – I don't think people should put too much significance in it. It's a cool thing. It's kind of weird. It's kind of quirky. Um, better teams <laughs> than this one, much better teams, have struggled against Clemson and, frankly, probably should have lost in Clemson. You know, go back to the Tyler Hansborough days. There are a couple of those where I don't know how they ended up winning, but they did. Um, so it's not it's not something that would be crazy for Clemson to come in and play well, particularly against, you know, this level of Carolina team. 
Yeah, I remember before the Clemson football game, I said, would you trade a Clemson win over Clemson football for a win for Clemson <laughs> winning in the Dean Dome and to a man? Uh, Maybe 95% people said, no way. Oh, I, you know what side I was on. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it, it'd yeah. be, uh, it, it, it almost happened too. Watch. I know, it almost, really. It almost happened. <laughs> Be interesting if it was a one point game on Saturday, but you're right. It's uh, a lot of eyeballs will be watching it, whether they say they will or not. Sherelle, it's always a pleasure. Uh, great podcast. I, I was not looking forward to it, to be perfectly honest <laughs> with you. And uh, it's been very interesting, very enlightening. I think folks need to listen to it, need to take some of it to heart. Um, and all- I, I, again, I, I don't mean to like talk down to anyone or tell them how they should feel, just trying to provide an alternative view. Um, on especially the effort part, because that really bothers me when people question players' effort. Like, they have no idea, most people, how hard it is to be a student athlete, particularly at a place like Carolina. Um, yeah. It's difficult. I mean, it's it's a full time job with college, with you know a lot of other things, with responsibilities that you know I don't think you know the common person understands. So that's why for that particular thing, I get a little bit passionate. Like, it's fine to question how they played and question you know, focus and, and question energy. But I don't think that's ever a situation. I can't remember a situation where I was like, they're just not, they're not playing hard or they don't want to be out there or they're not trying. I, I just, I don't believe that. Yep. I'll leave it there. Shreve McMillan, I'm Benny Hurst. Tommy actually been listening to the Inside Carolina Post Game Podcast sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Rail. Yep, appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by johnnytshirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.